go before the king one more time. Lord, we come to you asking to speak through your word. You are the author of this thing. You know this better than anyone, Lord. We know that we could throw this away, and as long as we have you, we have the scriptures. But if we have the scriptures without you, we have nothing. And so, Lord, we come here asking for you to speak to our hearts through these scriptures, Lord. Please break this down and make it able to apply tonight somehow, my King. Speak in a new way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. Genesis, we're moving through, obviously, the Bible. We're teaching all the way through. We've got a long ways to go, my friends. I don't know if I'll still be here. I don't know if you'll be here. Praise the Lord. Justin, what's up, man? Uh-oh. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 10, we are here together. We're looking at the generations of Noah, you see here in Genesis chapter 10. Now, I'm going to try to mow through it quickly because it's a lot of information. I'm talking a lot of information, okay? And you're, you're probably going to get your face ripped off and you're thinking like, man... This is boring, or this is like, I can't take this in. It's important, okay? Try to take it in. Try to study to show thyself approved. Know what you know and why you know it. Be able to teach a study after I'm done teaching it. Amen? Genesis chapter 10. Let's read together. Listen closely. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah. The sons of Noah. Now here in Genesis chapter 10, you're going to see 70 different families here, or 70 different listings of families that are here. And this is where we get all nationalities, all races, and all languages, and they are found right here within the text. That's right, you're looking at it. It's broken down. Have you ever asked the question, how do we get all the languages and all of the different nationalities and all of the different nations? Well, this is where it comes from. It all comes back to Noah. We, you and me, are all related to Noah in some way. And his three sons are the descendants of pretty much where all these different branches come from. Now, I've, I've thought this through many different times. And I, okay, how do you get all like different races coming out? Now, I'm not sure exactly how this might work, other than the fact that we're going to look at it a little bit later, um, touching on, well, I'll just talk about it right now. Why not? Different, there, there's microevolution and macroevolution, obviously. We know that there's no such thing as macroevolution. A species, like a human, is never going to become a whale one day. And a whale will never become a human, right? Species don't intermix. That doesn't happen. Like, now there's, inside of species, you see microevolution happen, like within dogs, right? You've got the wolf, you've got the dog, and then you've got the chihuahua. You know, you've got these, but they're all dogs, right? They're different, so different shapes, look different. Monkeys, you see all kinds of... But a monkey and a human are not the same species. There's all kinds of different monkeys. And just like there are all kinds of different humans, you understand? A banana will never become a human. We did not all come from one source. That's the, the beginning there. That the Lord obviously created us. And so... Oh, Jay, praise the Lord. I hope it's the same one. Hey, that'll work. You know, it's kind of long, but praise the Lord. Yes. So Genesis chapter 10, as we're mowing through here, why am I saying this? to try to establish how these kind of different humans could, could be different colors and different um, language and different nationality all the way through and through. 
I also would think that, let's see, if, if you had a mutt human, a perfect mutt human, okay, a mutt human meaning what? What are you saying, Josh? Like a human that has every nationality within him, but he's perfect, 100% full in each one. I don't know how you would do that or how that would work, but just in the same way when some dogs, you know, you, you see dogs, you know, have babies and you'll have this oddball, like, different color, where did he come from, you know, just like random. In the same way, I could see back in that day, it's just a theory, it's Josh Johnson theory, throw it away if you want to, it's just what I thought through. And um, it seems like if two mutt, perfect mutt humans mated, then you would get different, perfect breeds of different nationalities. And you see things happen. On top of that, you would see what? When someone moves into a different climate, you see what? Microevolution happen. You see this, remember, like a dog getting into a colder area will bring a, a thicker coat, you know? And then you see the chihuahua that lives down in Mexico has this thin, you know, light coat, you know? It's two different areas, two different climates. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so in the same way, just a great example is the, uh, what is it, the bunny that changes right color, you know? What, what is the bunny? The brown and white. The brown and white. Anybody know the name? Okay, the, the rabbit that, what, changes color in the winter, remember, it's white, matches the snow, and in the summer it turns, what, brown, so it can camouflage. Amazing. It's the king. It's the lord. And so now that I have these big piece of note here, we're going to try to mow through this. But in chapters, in the first chapters of uh, the Bible, chapters 1 through 11 here, it's the beginning of everything, okay? Chapter 10 is called the Table of Nations. Take note that every single one of us are from Noah, like I said before, and all of us are linked to one of Shem, Ham, or Japheth, okay? All nations come from these three. There are 70 families, like I said, that are listed in this chapter total. Japheth, there are 14 families. Ham, 20, and Shem, 26. Total of 70. You get all your races, languages, and nations here. The question comes, how do you get all the nations? We just spoke, to, we just spoke about that. There's a great book, if you want to check it out. Genesis Record by Henry Morris. You can check that out. Amazing. That's a great book to read, and you'll get all the information. I'm, I, I'm not very good at uh, explaining this kind of stuff. You can talk to Jay afterwards. He's awesome at that stuff, and a couple of the other guys here. Um, we're going to just jump down into uh, Shem and look at each one individually. What each person and where they come from, or each son of Noah, and what they establish, okay? Shem here... I guess read in verse 1, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem is this one we know as, you know what, actually we're going to start, yeah, we'll start with Shem. Okay, Shem, is, his name means glory of God. It's the Kabod, it's the glory of God. You know the Kabod, it's what dwelt in the Ark of the Covenant. It's what was in the Holy of Holies. It was what was in, it was that place that they could only go into once a year. And, and, and go in there and, and make this offering unto the king go in there once a year for the forgiveness of sins for all the nation. It's where the glory of God dwelt. It was that glory that dwelt on the top of Mount Sinai. It's with Moses. It was that glory in that bush. It's the kabod, the glory of God. Shem means glory. Shem, this is where the Jews came from. Through the Jews, the glory of God is revealed. It's obvious, a great parallel there. So you see, from Shem, obviously... Down the road we see Abraham comes, Ishmael, and Esau. This is the line that comes down. This isn't the exact line, but this is where the Jews start. This is where Israel, Israel starts, or the Israelites. 
You see Abraham, and then comes Ishmael and Esau. This is where you get the um, Arab nations. And obviously, remember, Isaac brings forth what? Israel. Okay? So from Abraham, I mean, from Abraham, you get Ishmael, and Esau also comes. And you see that Ishmael is where what? This is where you get the entire Arab nations coming from. Okay? Japheth, his name means enlarged one, a ruler. Okay? This is where the European descendants come from. Everybody in Europe, the majority of Europeans there come from Japheth. And we know from the world history, from world history that descendants of Japheth have been the dominant culture. Most of the time in world history, we look back and we see the European culture dominating the world in different ways. We also know that the Europeans were in a dark age, dominating not dominant culture, meaning the most people, like this, this large group, this ruler kind of manipulative like people that come out throughout the European uh, descendants here. But you see where there was a, a big dark age within the Europeans, this barbarian age, the dark age where they didn't have any enlightenment. And something cool to note is that Japheth descendants, Europeans, okay, they did not come into this enlightenment or knowledge until what? They started worshipping the god of Shem, it's noted. Not until they worshipped the god of Shem, which is our god, our king, Jesus, our lord, the father, it wasn't until they started worshiping Shem that all of a sudden enlightenment came. And this is what we see in history, if you look back. That these people were barbarians. They didn't believe. They had all kinds of different crazy beliefs. But then as soon as this, they started believing in this God of Shem, greater enlightenment came to them and in in their civilization advanced very quickly. Verse 2, we see who? We see Japheth. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry, Japheth. It's going to break down. Japheth... You get from Japheth, Gomer, one of his sons here. Gomer is a representation of Germany. That's where pretty much his descendant. All these names that, are, that I'm bringing up, all these things that I'm about to list out, are all information that we get from, it's more or less pagan scholars and Christian scholars. It's kind of like the historians of the world pointing to these things. It's not like a certain group that is pointing out and saying, we have the answer and this is why. It's all based on old, like, world history is where they get uh, most of this. Gomer, we see here in verse 2. Let me, let me read off verse 2 before we get into it. The sons of Japheth. You have Gomer, Magog, uh, Madai, and Javan, and Tubla, or Tubal, and uh, Meshach, and Tyrus. So you have these sons. These are the sons of Japheth. And um, each one represents a different country here, or a different, um, yes. Gomer is Germany. Magog, you get Russia from there. Tubal is, uh, actually you get, you get two different things there. Tubal is uh, Tubusk, which is a, is a place there within Russia. And you also get uh, the Meshek there is Moscow, or that second name there with the M name, the, uh, the Meshek, that's the way you pronounce it. Meshek is where you get Moscow there within Russia. And so Ezekiel 38 speaks loudly about an invasion from the north from Israel. It speak, I mean, it's huge. And this is something that's going on right now in the news. And you need to go and do your homework on Ezekiel 38, 38, 39, 40, all, all the way through there. If you can, um, you should really look into these things because the craziness that is happening over there in Israel right now, how all these nations are being pulled in. Do you see one at a time? They're starting to be pulled in. They say Russia, that the hook might go in and pull Russia down into this eventually. And this is, will either happen 
scholars tell us before or after the rapture. They're not exactly sure on when it's going to happen. Many, uh, they, they, they go back and forth in it. They're not exactly sure. There's a lot of different theories there. But they know it's going to happen soon. And that's why we know that the end is coming soon. Our king is coming to take us away. Medai is the Medes and the Persians. You have Medai there in verse 2. This represents Iraq and Iran. Notice, something to notice, Iraq and Iran, two completely different people. Iraq, Arabs, Arabic. Iran are Persians. They speak Farsi. They are not Arabs. Everybody thinks that. Iran and Iraq have been in controversy for hundreds of years. Iraq and Iran have been hammering each other. They hate each other. They are of different descent. But this is the one thing they have started to come together. Why? There's one thing they have in common. They hate Israel with a passion. Both of them. And this is why they are starting to link shields and go after Israel together. We see it. They're two completely different people. A lot of people get these things mixed up. Javan is Greece here in verse 2, and Tyrus, Italy, of course. Verse 3, we have Togomar. Let me read verse 3 first, I'm sorry. And the sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, and Rithfath, and Togomar. Togomar is modern-day Turkey. Ashkenaz is the eastern Germany, the eastern side of Germany slash Europe. If you go to Israel, you'll see two types of Jews. You have the Ash, I'm sorry, Ashkenazi Jew. This is the Eastern Poland, Austria, Germany-like side over here to the east. And then you also see the uh, Sarfitic Jew. This is Spain, Portugal, and the Mediterranean, where they were establishing early. You see, I don't know, it'd be like the um, Hispanic culture. You see uh, the Mexican culture, and then you see Spain. You see Port, like the Spaniard. It's a, the same kind of descent there, but it's, uh, it's, it's two, different, two different cultures, I guess, if you call that. Same thing happening there within Israel. I know it's a lot of info. Stay with me. Verse 4, Tarshish. It's debated whether it may be Spain or England. Mostly it's towards Spain. Verse 6, we're just going to mow through some of these things. Quick points where they point out, okay? Verse 6, so there is Shem. There is, uh, I mean, there is Shem, which is what? The Jews. There is Japheth, which is what? Europe. The majority of Europe. And then Ham. We get to Ham in verse 6. Okay, Ham, his name means black or hot. And this is where you get the African nation. And the majority of it. The dark skinned, more, more dark skinned people, if I can say that. These people are primarily, primarily, primarily dwell in Africa and some a little bit north. Cush, here in verse 6. Let me read it for you. And the sons of Ham are Cush, Mizraim, Foot, and Canaan. Okay. You have Cush, which is what? The Ethiopian people or Ethiopia. You have, and this is also, Cush is, the Cush people, you know, it's, it's spoken about many times in the Bible. You see people from Ethiopia or the Cush, a man from Cush, and you always see these tall, um, tall, dark-skinned people. And uh, the Bible speaks about it. If you want to go somewhere to find tall, black people, you should go to Cush. The NBA, Eric Corson said this, he said they should be drafting from Cush. The Bible speaks of it. That is where the tall descent. That's just it. That's it. Get on it. Lakers, get on it. Okay, you have... Um, oh, I'm 
Mizraim, you have Egypt. Foot, you have Libya. Canaan, obviously Israel. Canaan, the Canaanites. Remember, they were wicked. They, they, they messed up big time. And they, were, they, had, they were destroyed after four centuries of mercy that God had given to them. Verse 7 there, you see, And the sons of Cush, Sheba, and uh, Hevei, and Sabbath, or, I'm sorry, Sabta, and uh, Ram. These sons, the, the two we're going to focus in on are Sheba and Dedan. Dedan and Sheba, these two, are Saudi Arabia. Ezekiel 38. You want to, why, why do you want to know these things? You should go back and try to either listen to this message, or I'd recommend going to listen to John Corson's message. He breaks it down. It's a little hard to follow at first, but you can really uh, check it at johncorson.com, obviously. And, um, but you can go back and check these things out. Why is it important to know these names? Why am I telling these things to you? Because when you read about Bible prophecy, you want to know the modern names that are being spoken about there within the text. Ezekiel 37, 38, 39. If it's just listing off Cush and these weird out there, you know, names. It's like, what does that mean? Well, if you look to the original text and see what this, or if you look to the future, what we're speaking about right now, then you'll know exactly what it's meaning about and what civilizations it's directly speaking about. So that's why it's important that we go over these things. And I want to go through the Bible so that we know thoroughly that we have seen every single word. Verse 8, we have what? Something very important here. Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. Nimrod, verse 8, his name means rebel. Some say he is a picture or type of the Antichrist. Right here in Genesis chapter 10. Amazing. Why is that, you say, Josh? You want to look at Nimrod. Nimrod. He's a Nimrod. That's number one. His name means rebel. He is a rebel, and you'll see why he is a rebel and what he does. Verse 9, it says, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. And some say that this word, a mighty hunter before the Lord, it's speaking about, you go back to uh, chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, and it speaks about violence and hunting in the land and killing before the Lord. All these things happening and that he was doing these things. Or that Nimrod was against the Lord. And I was looking at all the different translations, all kinds of um, updated translations, and they're saying things like he was for the Lord and he was... Um, hunting for the Lord and all stuff. And it can really mess up the mind. It's very important to go back to the text and check out what it's saying here. But he was a mighty hunter before the Lord, verse 9, wherein he said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And check this out. Nimrod, this man, the reason why they say he is a picture of Antichrist is because he does, he rebels against the Lord. In the same way Antichrist he is Antichrist. Who's Antichrist? Remember, he is the one. The rapture. The next thing on the calendar happened. The rapture is going to happen. Sweep us Christians off the face of the earth. We got stadium seating. We got upper deck seats. We are looking down on earth watching all this happen. The tribulation period. What is that, Josh? That is what happens. That's what starts instantly when we are taking... So right now, if the rapture happened right now, boom! Alright? The rapture meaning what? Jesus coming back for you and for me. Those who believe in Jesus Christ being taken off the face of the earth. Never to see this place again in this body and the way that we are. When that happens, the seven-year period starts right there instantly. Seven years exactly. At the three and a half, as soon as this happens, let's, let's, let's just talk about this. What's going to happen? If, I don't know how many Christians are on the earth. Let's just say one, uh, let's 
say one-eighth of the population says Jesus, calls upon the name of the Lord, and they shall be saved. The Lord's merciful. He's gracious. He loves his kids. He's going to sneak as many in the back door as he can, I believe. Come on, come on, you said Jesus. He doesn't want him to go to hell. He desires that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Every single one. And so we'll be raptured off the face of the earth. We'll be taken away, swept away. Think about that. Say one-eighth of the earth just disappears. Boom. These people, population gone. What would, what would, what what would people say? What would everybody start saying? Aliens took us, or who knows the crazy you know, stories that are going to come up. But think about it. The world will implode within itself. There's going to be this huge economic just, the whole thing just goes to trash, right? So what happens? I could see the entire earth trying to do what? Come together, right, as a family. We've got we to gotta help each other. You know, we've got to get together. You know, this is crazy. Just like tragedies happening in America. Well, an entire worldwide problem happens, okay? And guess what? One man stands up. One man says, I have the answer. And he, he gives out this crazy you know, plan that's going to bring peace to all the world. And guess what? Everybody exalts him and says, wow, that sounds good. We need a leader. He looks like a one of We're going to follow him. That is Antichrist. He is the one who will take over the world. Literally. The Bible speaks of it. I believe Antichrist is alive right now. He is living and breathing, and I believe he's somewhere in Europe. And people have listed names and said names, but you can't be dogmatic. But he is alive right now, I truly believe, and I don't know how old, but I know that we are the generation that will see the coming king, and all these things will happen. We must. If you live, your eyes will see it, I promise you that. And we will stand in heaven one day, me and you, and I'll look at you and say, Ha ha, told you so. We're in heaven together. We've made it. The rapture has happened. But Antichrist will take over the world. He'll stand at three and a half year mark. Abomination of desolation. He'll claim to be God and the Jews' eyes will be open. They'll be all deceived. Like, oh, this guy's awesome. They'll be deceived. All of a sudden they're just like, oh my gosh, this guy's claiming to be God. They run for the hills. There's so much hours upon hours that we could talk about Antichrist. And maybe we will soon enough. But it is coming. And this man has a perfect picture of it because of what he does. But let's move on here. Verse 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. Okay, the beginning of whose kingdom? Nimrod. Rebel. Remember? Picture of Antichrist. Listen, this is important. Babel means gateway to God. Bab means gate. El, God. You know the Hebrew. Gate, God. Gateway to God. It is a gateway to God. Babel. That's what this word is supposed to be. This is what he has named it, Nimrod. It's supposed to be the gateway to God. He's established this place. Nimrod the rebel tries to build his own way to God. Remember the Tower of what? Babel. The Tower of Babel is this huge... We're going to look at it, I believe, in Genesis chapter 11 here. Our next chapter. It's going to be awesome. The Tower of Babel is built, and it's supposedly this gateway into God. They, they try to build it. this tower, right? They start building this thing, and it goes as high as the sky can see. And they build this thing as if they're trying to connect to God or find their own way. And all the people come together in one unison and he rises up, Nimrod, and establishes this thing and everybody follows and does exactly what he says. We see that Nimrod, there's a couple things to note about him. Verse 11, it says that he went out into Assyria. Verse 11, it says, I'll read it to you, and out of that land went forth Asher, and built Nineveh. 
Wait a minute, where's it saying that, Josh? If you look in your margins, if you have King James Bible, you'll see. It has a little five next to it. It has a little number next to it. It has something saying what? That word went forth means he went into Assyria. The little translation there is he went into Assyria. Now, why does that matter? Because Nimrod is the one who established what? Number one, Babel. Babylon. Babylon. He has established Babylon, the gateway to God, supposedly, this false way. Number two, he went to Assyria, or the Assyrians, and established them also. What does that mean? Nimrod is the problem, or the man behind the Assyrians and the Babylonians, the two greatest enemies of Israel. We see that it's all the way established back here to Nimrod. We're going to skip forth and move on and get away from Nimrod for just a second here. We're going to move to verse 14. We're going to jump through. You see in verse 14, you see the Philistines there. Verse 17, you see what? The Sinite. These are the roots of China, Japan, and the Asian people. Verse 21, we're going to jump down to. You see Shem. Let me read it to you. The children of Shem. I'm sorry, yes. Uh, verse 25, I'm sorry. And the two Eber were born two sons. Unto Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Pegleg. For his his days, for in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Jochan. Now, why are we stopping there? Something interesting to note: Eber's sons, Peleg and Jochan. Notice in this verse, this is crazy. Look at this. It says what right after and Peleg's day and Peleg's day. It says that. For in his days was the earth divided. For in his days was the earth divided. What does that mean? Look, listen. The word earth here, when it speaks of this word earth, the word is E-R-E-T-S. Earth. It is a word that is only used in the Bible to not divide people, but divide the earth. When the earth is actually divided, the pieces of land themselves divided. Now, how does that work? What does that mean? Not the earth, the people being divided, but the land actually being divided in some way. Look at this here. It's very interesting. The word always refers to the actual earth being divided, not the people. People often ask, how did the animals get over all the face of the earth? Well, if they had just got off the ark, how did they get all the way across the continents? How do they get all over the face of the earth? Well, this may be the answer. You see a dividing of the earth here? It indicates something. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it does indicate something. Number two thing here that you see, remember there is a canopy on the earth before the flood happened. Remember the green room? There was a green room. It was tropical everywhere, okay? The earth... Okay, let me, let me try to, let me try to uh, map this out for you. Remember... Here's the ball, the earth, okay? Before the flood happened, there was this some kind of wrap of water built around the earth. Water everywhere around the earth. Not touching the earth, but up in the sky, above the sky. Water in the sky somehow, sitting there being held together by I don't know what. The Lord, of the, our king, of course. But something was holding this together. Okay, you had this giant canopy, this giant... Yeah, tent around the earth, holding water, okay? It's like a giant greenhouse. Remember, like, giant, you get in a greenhouse all like, good. Uh, 
It's all tropical. The entire earth was tropical. That's why they say people could live longer. Up to 900 a year. Crazy. Because everything was just perfectly cared for and nurtured, okay? The ground was awesome, wonderful. Then what happens? Canopy bursts, okay? Water comes all over the earth. The flood happens, okay? The, the grounds burst open and water comes forth, flooding the entire earth. Now what happens? You have water all over the face of the earth. But guess what? No more canopy, remember? It's been broken down. All you have is the earth now. Now what's happening? The sun is beaming down directly on the earth. But what is it doing? We are rotating around the sun, correct? So now you have points on the earth where the sun is not hitting all the time. And so what happens? You get an ice age. You, ice starts to develop. Glaciers start to develop. And so you have a flooded earth. And now what? Ice starts to develop, and so it pulls the water what up out of the ground, or off the ground, and as it starts to happen, you see what? You see water evaporating on the earth and water being frozen on the earth at the same time. Check this statistic out. There is 138 million cubic square miles of water on the face of the earth. 138 million cubic square miles, okay? Glaciers take up 14 million cubic square, uh, square cubits in the ocean. 14 million. The water would drop drastically by taking away 14 million square cubits of water off the face of the earth, freezing it up, and so what would happen instantly? You would have a dividing, in a sense, of the waters, and as time went by, you would have the land... Start Okay, if you took all the water off the face of the earth, you would have one big piece of land, correct? Take all the water out, one big piece of land. Of course, there was rivers and, and things that the Lord established here in the Garden of Eden when he created the earth, great bodies of water, but there was one big piece of earth. Now the water comes down on the earth, the glaciers suck up water, there's evaporation happening, it's raining on the earth now, and now the, the earth is being divided everywhere. You see this happening. Very interesting, very amazing. Found right here within this verse. What, how was the earth divided right here? And why have we missed this in Genesis chapter 10? I love it. I'm going to actually stop there because we're getting, we've, we've gone quite, quite a ways into here. But man, I'll just give a quick, a quick note here at the end because we have to close this baby up. Nimrod, remember, rebel. Nimrod, the one to rise up against God. Nimrod, the one to establish Babylon. Nimrod, the one to create Assyria. Nimrod, the one who establishes these two great enemies. Nimrod, the one who tries to make his own gateway to God, per se. Nimrod. Picture of the Antichrist here in the Old Testament. Nimrod marries a woman. Samarius, history tells us. And according to Babylon history, she goes by the title of the Queen of Heaven. And we see this. We see this name, Queen of Heaven, mentioned and Jeremiah, we see it through a couple times there, 14. She's called the Queen of Heaven. She made a huge impact on history, per se, as they say. She's spoken of different places in the Old Testament. But this is, as the story goes, or the legend goes, or the, the myth goes, or some, say, some believe it's factual, and this is what happened, this is what history tells us. That this woman, this wife of Nimrod, the queen of heaven, she called herself, right? One day when Nimrod was off on his business trip doing great things, said he did mighty things on the earth. He did mighty things on the earth. Remember it says the Antichrist will do what? 
mighty things, great miracles on this earth in the same way. No marvel at him. Through the power of Satan. But Nimrod off on his business, doing his thing. She claims that she was impregnated by a divine being. And this is what we see in history. This is what scholars tell us. This is what's been written down through the Babylonians. She claims that she was, she had this miracle birth or this divine being impregnating her, okay? Now check this. It's very interesting. They say that she was impregnated around March or April, okay? That's when it happened. And they have a feast to remember it. It's called Ishtar. You know what that is? It's what the Babylonians celebrate even to this day. Who's Babylon? Iraq. Iraq. Modern day Iraq. They still celebrate that over there right now, every year. You can go there. But this is what's interesting. It's right around April area, okay? This is what's interesting. When they celebrate, they bring out eggs and they paint them. In remembrance of what? Her being impregnated by a divine being. Eggs, you know, the whole thing. They also bring out rabbits. You know, because rabbits, and they celebrate with these rabbits because rabbits, well, they multiply. Let's just say that. But these rabbits here, you see these things happening. It's still happening here today. They do this celebration or whatever. They're within this, this Babylonian culture. In remembrance of this woman, the, the queen of heaven supposedly, her being impregnated by a divine being, okay? She has a son, nine months later. His name is Tammuz. His name is Tammuz. He's supposed to be this miracle birth, okay? A miracle birth done by a divine being. She has him nine months later in the month of December. And history tells us that it's December 25th, supposedly the exact day, that's what they say, Tammuz, being born. Ezekiel chapter 8 speaks about it, born nine months from Ishtar. April, December 25th. Jeremiah 10, 1, 10, I mean 1 through 5 speaks about it. I'm just going to read this to you. Let, just, just listen. Just listen. I want you to read, listen to this. Okay? Jeremiah chapter 10. It's speaking about Tammuz and him being born on this day, per se, and what they do in remembrance of Tammuz. Listen. This is crazy. Hear ye the word that the Lord speak unto you, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, Learn not the way of the heathen, Tammuz, of these people, this wicked nation, Nimrod, all the way back, the Babylonians, the Assyrians. Listen. Be not dismayed of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. December 25th, listen. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workman with an axe. They deck it, or decorate it, with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, that it moves not. They are upright as a palm tree, but speak not. They must need be born, because they cannot go. Be not afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, neither also it in them to do good. What does that mean, Josh? These are where the customs of our tree come from, our Christmas tree. 
This is where the custom of Easter also comes from. Nimrod, all the way back. Remember? Nimrod, his wife, the queen of heaven, has a baby supposedly, miraculously, divine. They celebrate this in April. They call it Estar. Oh, snap. And they paint eggs and they bring bunnies in celebration of this fertility. Nine months later, they decorate trees in the name of Tammuz to remember what he has done, or him being born, this miraculous bird. Now, you see, um, Constantine, when he becomes ruler there, he actually he became a Christian and he changed all these pagan things, and he changed it to Easter. And he changed the Easter, obviously, to the, to the uh, resurrection of Christ and made it that. But this is where it comes back to Estar to Easter. And we see the enemy. This is why, why did I paint this picture? Why did I show you this? Because the enemy tries to counterfeit everything the king does. The miraculous birth. tries to put all kinds of distractions and things in the way for us to be distracted and lost about what it's all about. Jesus was not actually born December 25th. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. They say he was probably born sometime earlier in the fall. Why? Because shepherds aren't out at night with the sheep under the stars except for under those times. And that is when Jesus was probably born. They say October probably. And maybe some say October 31st and that's why Halloween has been established so that we can get as far away from the king as we possibly can. Now we focus on these things. But my friends, Joseph, a lot of info. Why'd you bring all that to us tonight? I know. But maybe to end with this. The enemy will try to counterfeit all kinds of things that the Lord wants to do in your life. He will show you what is fun. What is cool? What looks great? He will deceive and try to take your eyes from Jesus the best that he can. He will create all kinds of different distractions. Are Christmas trees bad? No! It's not about that. Are you going to camp paint Easter eggs? No! Paint them with your kids. Have a blast. Let them remember, but it's about Jesus, our King. My friends, I heard a great quote this weekend that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. The enemy will set you up to upset you. The enemy will set you up to upset you. The enemy will do everything that he can to snatch your peace away. That Prince of Peace. Jesus, our King. He will do everything that He can to pull you away. And I wrote in my Bible, I wrote down at the bottom, a little declaration for Josh Thompson, I will not let the enemy steal my peace. I will not. I will not let him set me up to upset me. It was found in the Beatitudes. And there's a word there that speaks of the enemy setting a trap for you and for me. You know that he does that? Listen, 
He sets up that little mousetrap for you. And he laughs at you and he mocks you and watches you fall down that. And you really think it's attractive at first and you go and you put your hand in there and he snatches your piece away. The whole thing, next time you're upset, next time you're bummed out, next time you're mad, check yourself and watch and see how the enemy has deceived and brought you to that point where your peace is gone. Where you don't have a peace that surpasses understanding. Where you're not casting your burden upon him and receiving rest anymore. It's a counterfeit, my friends. You're getting messed up. You're seeing something else. Look past all that. See Jesus. Throw all the distractions away. Get it away from me. I will not be bummed out. I will not be upset. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in thee, Lord. Don't let the enemy rip you off. Don't let the enemy let you hold a grudge against that person. Don't let the enemy let let you look at them in that way. Don't let the enemy deceive you into falling into that and laughing at you. Don't let the enemy let you get mad at them, that you would lose your peace and mess up your witness to them and to yourself. You, my friends, brothers and sisters, you are people of God. You are children of the Most High. Your king is the prince of peace. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God, the everlasting father. He is the one who brings rest to every man. The only way that they will know you are my disciples is if you love one another. Don't be deceived. Don't let the Nimrod, the enemy, Antichrist, rip you off. He's a Nimrod. Get him out of here. Don't let your peace be stolen. Don't let your joy be taken. Stand firm on that rock of your salvation. Know that the Lord is going to save you. Do you hear me? Know that the Lord is always going to save you. But they did that to me! Go and say you're sorry. But they did it to me. Go say you're sorry. And be blessed. Life's hard right now. It shouldn't be this way. The rents do. I can't pay for that. My friends did this to me. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. He's going to pull through. He loves you. He's head over heels for you, my friends. He brings you flowers every morning. Go look outside. He paints a picture for you that sunrise is cares about you, He will bring you peace. He'll be there for you. I promise you all your days. Don't be deceived. 
Don't let the enemy rip you off. Look past the tree. Look past those eggs. Forget about it. See Jesus tonight in this moment. Father, so much to think about. So much to ponder. Lord, do you hear us? God, are you there? Can you hear us in this room, here in Robert Hill's house, in Riverside? Are you there? The cry of our heart is to know you more. The cry of our heart is to draw closer to you, King. We know that when we draw close to you, that we have peace. We know that when we see your face, everything's okay. And so we trust you in the season of life. Keep the enemy from us, Lord. Keep us from temptation. Lead us not into it. Deliver us from evil. We trust you. We do. We've heard your words tonight. We've heard you, Lord. And we just want to say thank you for being there for us. And we just want to tell you that we love you, King. And you're the greatest King ever. There's nobody like you. And we give you all the props from our hearts. We applaud you greatly, King. You're awesome. You're wonderful. Praise be to you, great King. So, Father, we offer our lives up to you tonight. Lord, I pray for each individual person. Friends, hey, would each one of you just, whatever is going on in your life, whatever it is that you need me to pray for, you just think of it. You bring that to the Lord in this moment. Let me pray over you, please. Search it out. Whatever that thing is, please, find something. Lord, I pray for my family here, my brothers and sisters. Do you hear us, Lord? One more, I have one more request, my kingdom. No, I know. Bring many requests unto you. Thank you for being there. Thank you for listening. I pray for each one individually, their situation, their lives, their walks with you, everything that's going on. Lord, would you deliver us? Deliver us as you deliver your people, Israel. Let our enemies be laughed at and mocked, Lord, as you raise up and you deliver. You fight the battles for us. The battle belongs to the Lord, we know. And so we trust you. And I pray for each situation individually that you would have your will, have your way. That you would pull through in a new and amazing way. Thank you for hearing us. We know that you're going to pull through. We trust you in this moment in our hearts. We receive that peace that you give. We sit at rest in this moment, Jesus. We have not forgotten what you've done for us in this moment. That you've died and you've rose again. You've given us yourself. You've given us your body. You've died for us, so of course you would love to give us these things. 
Thank you for the greatest gift of all, your love, yourself. We remember that. We love you, King. And Lord, would tonight be the night that you take us away. We are sitting here ready. Sweep us off our feet. We long to be with you, Jesus. We want to see you face to face. And so, Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you tonight. In a new way, in a fresh way. We give our lives back to you again. Anything you need, you let us know, Lord. We're here for you. We're your servants and we want to bless you. Each one, would you reveal to them those things. Anything you need, Lord, you let us know. We love you. We want to bless you in this moment. Blessings on you, King. You're wonderful. You're awesome. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for being here. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you guys. Stand up, we're going to do the man song. Do we have communion, Jay? No? Oh, we have one more announcement. Stand up, we're going to do the man song. I mean, the, uh, we're going to do the song, man. We're going to celebrate. The people song, because girls can sing it too. But you got to sing from your gut, my friends. It doesn't work if we don't sing. It sounds weak and puny and wimpy. you got to bring it, okay? Go somewhere here. Hail Jesus, you're my king. Hail Jesus, you're my king. And your life makes me to sing. Your life makes me to sing. And I will praise you all my days. I will praise you all my days. You're perfect in all your ways. You're perfect in all your ways. And hail Jesus, you're my Lord. Hail Jesus, you're my Lord. I will obey your word. I will obey your word. I want to see your kingdom come. want to see your kingdom come. And not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. And hail, hail, line of Judah. Hail, line of Judah. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. And hail, hail, line of Judah. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How powerful you are. How powerful you are. Glory, glory to the Lamb. Glory, glory to the Lamb. And you take me into the land. You take me into the land. And we will conquer in your name. We will conquer in your name. And proclaim that Jesus reigns. And proclaim that Jesus reigns. Hail, hail, line of Judah. Hail, hail, line of Judah. How wonderful you are. How wonderful you are. And hail, hail, line of how powerful you are, how powerful you are, and how wonderful you are, how wonderful you are, and how powerful you are, how powerful you are, and Lord, you are wonderful and powerful and mighty. Lead us in the way everlasting. Show us your way. Handcuff us to you. Don't let us go far, King. We love you and we commit ourselves to you again. In your name. Amen. 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 Amen.